Gideon and Paul were both put in a situation by God where they could not depend on themselves. They were forced to trust God. And Jesus is going to tell us today that that's his plan for all of his disciples. So if you've signed up to follow Jesus, get ready. He will put you in places that are impossible so that you will not depend on yourself, but on him. Let's hear how Jesus does that to his disciples today in Mark chapter 9, 14 to 29. And when they came to the disciples... This is Jesus and Peter and James and John coming down from the mountain after they saw Jesus and his glory. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately, all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And Jesus answered them, O faithless generation, How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can. All things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. The boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. Um, all of us, in some sense, up against some sort of impossible 
situation in our lives. We've been backed into a corner and we're helpless. And so we come crying out to you for help. Would you come and have compassion on us? Would you come and help us? Lord, we, we can't, we're here, we believe. Help our unbelief. And do it through this passage this morning, we ask. For your sake, amen. Uh, you might be shocked to hear that um, in college, I earned a solid C in weightlifting class. Uh, I know from looking at me, that's difficult to believe, but I did. Uh, but the weightlifting class wasn't a total loss. Uh, I did learn something that I've remembered for 30 years now, and that's this. When you are exerting strength to lift something heavy, you must breathe. You'll be tempted to hold your breath as you try to push that bar up, but, but don't do it. Breathe through it, they say. It's weird. It's weird how we work. When we need strength, we do the opposite of what we need to do. We need to breathe, but we hold our breath. Have you, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever stopped to think about times when you hold your breath. Um, earlier this week, I woke up with a, a sharp, severe pain in my right foot. And when I got out of bed and put weight on it, <gasps> I stopped breathing. But they tell you that when you're in pain, you're supposed to breathe through the pain, right? Breathe, breathe. Don't hold your breath. I held my breath when I was in pain. I remember uh, a couple of times as our kids were growing up, and, and one of them would have a, a panic attack of sorts, and or they were overcome with anxiety, and Christine and I would tell them, okay, now look, breathe deep and slow, in through the nose, out through the mouth, with me now. And they would, they would calm down some. They would breathe deep and slow, but they had to be told to breathe because in the middle of their anxiety, they defaulted to holding their breath. When we panic, we forget to breathe. Whether we're powerless or in pain or we panic, uh, we, need to, we need someone to tell us to breathe. About 500 years ago, Martin Luther said this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Because prayer is breathing. As sure as you can't do life without breathing, you can't follow Jesus without praying. You can't. As sure as you can't do life without breathing, you cannot follow Jesus without praying. But do you forget to pray? I do too. No one shook their head either way. I forget to pray. 
Um, just like I hold my breath when I most need to breathe, I don't pray when I most need to pray. When I'm powerless, I don't pray. When I'm in pain, I don't pray. When I'm panicking, I don't pray. So here in Mark chapter 9, Jesus comes down the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and he finds the other disciples faced with a, with a situation in which they are powerless. Um, they've come up against a, a painful thing here. They can't solve. And everybody around them is in a panic trying to figure out what to do. And what does Jesus tell his disciples they forgot to do? This kind, he said, cannot be driven out except by anything but prayer. He tells them they forgot to pray. Why could we not cast it out, they said. You forgot to breathe, he said. You held your breath. You didn't pray. As sure as you can't do life without breathing, you can't follow Jesus without praying. And so as I wrestled with this this week, I, I had this question, so why? I, we all do it. We all tend to not pray when we should pray. But why do we not pray when things seem impossible? And I, I think this is what Mark and Jesus want us to understand in this story this morning. Jesus is using his disciples' powerlessness, this boy's pain, and this father's panic to teach them and us a lesson about prayer. And as the master of teacher, Jesus set this up. He set it up to teach these men and us why we forget to pray, what's at the root of that prayerlessness, he wants to teach us what prayer looks like in the face of the impossible. What does prayer look like in those situations? And he wants us to know, what is it that would make prayer as natural as breathing? So I, I want us to get into the scene and, and see what we discover about those questions. So Mark says, when they came to the disciples, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, they saw a great crowd around them and the scribes arguing with them. Arguing with them about what? Most likely, the scribes were pointing out the powerlessness of the disciples because this was fun for them. <laughs> See now, your power's run out. Uh, you finally found one you can't cast out, right? Because up until now, the disciples had been successfully casting out demons by the authority and power of Jesus. Back in Mark chapter 6, Jesus called the 12 and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So they've been doing this. They've been casting out demons. And now they've come up against one that won't come out. And the scribes are having a great time with this. They've come up upon this seemingly impossible situation, and they've been exposed as powerless to do anything about it. And Jesus seems to want to highlight that exposure even more when he asks, what are you arguing about with them? 
The father of the boy actually answered the question that Jesus asked, and he said, I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. It literally means they did not have the strength. They were powerless. So as I read this, the Spirit asked me, where in your life are you being exposed as powerless right now, Jimmy? And so I'm, you know, I love to share, so I want to share that question with you. Where in your life are you being exposed as powerless? Have you come up against something that is seemingly impossible to change? Have you come up against someone who seems impossible to change? What's going on in your world that has exposed you as not able? The father of this boy was not able as well. Listen to his story. Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. And he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they were not able. This, this father, can you imagine what it was like to be this man? So imagine yourself shopping in Pruitt's with your son. And without warning, he's thrown to the ground. Right there in the middle of the cereal aisle, he begins foaming at the mouth. He gets rigid. He's convulsing. He's grinding his teeth. He's moaning and groaning. Everybody's watching. And though this looks like a severe form of epilepsy, you know and everybody else knows this is demonic. And that makes everybody even more skittish about your boy. Can you imagine dealing with this all your life? He said that this has been going on since childhood, the boy's childhood, day after day, month after month, year after year. This man is exhausted. Can you imagine the strain on your household, the strain on your marriage, the strain on your relationships outside of your home, uh, the strain on your job, What about the strain on your faith in God? And I know that some of you can relate to this in some ways. But even if you've never had an experience like this, surely you've had to endure impossible situations that have rocked your faith, or even worse, just ground you down and wore you down into nothing. You don't know what to do. Sometimes you pray, sometimes you don't, sometimes you just quit. So what is it? What is it for you? What is that impossible situation? Is it your kids? Nothing makes me feel powerless quite like parenting. Nothing hurts quite like parenting. 
And if parenting hasn't caused you to panic, even just a little, check your pulse. You may not have a heart. Maybe it's your kids that make you feel powerless. Maybe, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you've just run out of strength. Maybe the pain is too much. Maybe you're overwhelmed with fear and anxiety about what's going on here. Maybe it's work. Have you come up against a seemingly impossible situation at work? If not, maybe you've come up against a seemingly impossible person at work. Speaking of that, is there an impossible relationship in your life? Have you lost hope that that person can change? Have you lost hope? that you can change your heart toward them even if they don't change? That one gets me. Is it your broken body? Chronic pain and illness that's got no hope of going away? Mental illness that complicates everything? physical brokenness of old age that just seems to snowball. I've, been, I've just been trying to think this week, what are, what are all the different kinds of impossible situations that you and I are up against? Well, let's get a little deeper. Is it a sin pattern in your life? Maybe you've overcome some sort of addiction or simple habit or an uncontrollable anger or a cynical spirit in the past, but recently it's come back with a vengeance. And once again, you find yourself in the grip of an old sin. What temptation always seems to get the best of you? Or maybe it's just You're just spiritually dry. You're in a desert. You've tried everything to refuel, but nothing helps. Reading the Bible doesn't help. Going to worship doesn't help. The sermons don't help. The worship songs fall flat on your heart. You're just just empty. Now, with all of those situations in your mind, Which ones have you stopped praying about? Which ones have you stopped praying about? Because for me, this week, as I started looking at this passage, this is what I heard Jesus say to me through this passage. Uh, Jimmy, there are some impossible situations in your life that have exposed you as powerless. You've tried all kinds of ways to solve or resolve these things, and you are not able. But the one thing you haven't done is talk to me about it. You think, you try to think biblically about these things, you you talk to your Christian friends about it, you talk to the elders about it, but you don't talk to me, you don't pray. 
you've stopped praying. So, Jimmy, when are you going to stop holding your breath and breathe? Breathe, son. We're so like these disciples. At the beginning of this story, we see that Jesus has allowed this kind of impossible situation into the disciples' lives to expose them as powerless. At the end of the story, we've already seen that Jesus allowed this kind of impossible situation into their life to show them that they're prayerless. But as we get into the middle of the story, we find out the root of the problem, that there's something else underneath the prayerlessness. Mark goes on, and Jesus answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. O faithless generation. That was Jesus' response to this impossible situation that the disciples and this man were facing is to call them faithless? The only way I can understand that is to to think that their powerlessness was not their biggest problem and their prayerlessness was not their biggest problem, that underneath the prayerlessness was faithlessness. When Jesus looks at this situation, it's not their lack of power that disturbs him as, as much as it is their lack of faith. And where do I see that? Like I said, his, his first response is, oh, faithless generation. But, but there's more evidence for this. Mark goes on. They brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It's often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. And then the man says this to Jesus. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, incredulous, if you can do anything, he's quoting it back to him, if you can do anything, all things are possible for the one who believes. And the father immediately cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. So notice again, this is what gets Jesus riled up here. What do you mean, if you can? All things are possible for the one who believes. My ability to do this is not the issue here. Your faith in my ability is the issue. Your trust in me is what is at stake. Your dependence on me is what I'm after. And the father of the boy seems to get this because his request changes from help us to help my unbelief. His request, notice, changed from help us to help my unbelief. He's aligning himself with what Jesus thinks is the biggest problem. Jesus, I need you to help me trust you with my boy. I want to trust you, I believe, but help that part of my heart that doesn't believe that doesn't trust you. Help, help that. The 
As one commentator put it, prayerlessness is always a sign of self-reliance. We're prayerless because we're faithless. Or you could say it this way. Trusting in Jesus looks like praying. Depending on Jesus looks like talking to Jesus. The disciples said, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. The reason you couldn't cast it out is because you started relying on yourself instead of me. And not praying is a sure sign you're not depending. You've grown so accustomed to having my power and the power of my Father at your disposal, but when you come to this one, you depended on yourself instead of us. The truth is, you've never had the power to drive a demon out, this kind or any other kind. But now, this kind has exposed your lack of dependence on me and my power, and that lack of dependence on me is shown by your lack of prayer. Okay, friends, here's what Jesus is driving home to us. Everything you are not praying about, you think you can handle on your own. Everything I'm not praying about, I think I can handle on my own. And what is Jesus' remedy to this lack of faith? Bring him to me. Bring him to me. Bring him to me. The, re- the remedy is to bring whatever it is to Jesus. And trust him with it. This is prayer. Bring it to me. So whether it was your child, your marriage, your work, your body, your sin struggles, your emptiness, bring it to me, Jesus says. Because that's what prayer is. Dependence on Jesus. And then Jesus beautifully shows us what this prayer looks like with this father as the example. This this father shows us what it looks like to pray a dependent prayer to Jesus in the face of impossible situations. He brings his boy to Jesus, and then he talks to Jesus about him. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Listen, just... A few thoughts about what prayer looks like according to what this father did. First of all, he's praying. He's talking to Jesus about his boy. He's bringing his boy to Jesus. That's prayer. So just start there. Bring whatever it is that seems impossible to you and start talking to Jesus about it, and all of a sudden you're praying. Secondly, Look at how honest and raw it is. It's a needy prayer. There's no pretense with this man. There's no pretty words. He even starts by saying, not sure if you can do anything, but if you can. Yeah, Jesus may respond with a little bit of an indignant response, but he doesn't send the man away for saying, if you can. Then he comes to Jesus admitting his own powerlessness by 
By saying, if you can, he's admitting something about himself. I can't. So if you can, but I can't. And as soon as Jesus says all things are possible for one who believes, the father immediately responds with, I believe, help my unbelief. So at that point, he's resting in the I can of Jesus. He's no longer leaning on his I can't. Now he's resting on the I can of Jesus. I believe, I believe you can. Friends, hear me. Prayer is bringing your I can't and resting it in his I can. Prayer is bringing your I can't and resting it in his I can. And leave it there. Something else I loved about this man's prayer is that it doesn't take big faith. It takes small faith. Even faith that struggles to trust Jesus is still faith when you bring it to Jesus. Even faith that struggles to trust Jesus is still faith when you bring that struggle to trust Jesus to him. Help my unbelief. Depending on Jesus in prayer looks like bringing your doubts about Jesus to Jesus. Faith moves toward Jesus, even when it doubts. A friend of mine who's a father experiencing a crisis with his child wrote me this week, and he knew I was thinking about this passage, and this is what he said to me. He said, my prayer goes like this. Jesus, do you care about this? Jesus, I think you do. Jesus, can you do something about this? I think you're able. Jesus, I believe because of what I know and have heard about you doing things. Can you heal? Can you change this? From, no, from what I know about you, you can. Why don't you? I'm afraid to ask that because I've asked things like this before. I'm afraid to ask you to do something because I've asked things like this before and they haven't happened. Is that because I've come to you like you're a vending machine? Is it because I don't have enough faith? Why have you done it before for harder things? Why do you delay? Why do we have to endure these things? I believe in you. I believe you care, and I believe in your power, but I just don't know if you will do something about this. Help my unbelief. Why do I just have to suck it up? Now that is the prayer of a man who is breathing. That is a man who's bringing his I can't and resting it in Jesus's I can. If I trusted in Jesus like that, then prayer would be as natural as breathing. But what is it about Jesus that I need to trust so that I can breathe so that I can pray and talk to him like that, so that I can trust him and not be prayerless anymore. What is it about Jesus that I need to trust? 
We need to trust his presence. Jesus showed up. <laughs> he just showed up here. You can trust his presence. He will show up in whatever this difficult situation is you're facing. But I need to trust his power. Now listen. Here's how I imagine this scene. I imagine Jesus looking over at Peter, James, and John, who had just seen Jesus in all of his white-hot, lightning-bright glory and power on the mountain. They had just been there. And I imagine Jesus looking over at those guys and giving them a little wink when he goes, if you can, Peter, James, and John, what do you think? If you can. Do you know who you're dealing with? (laughs) I need to trust his power. If the Jesus I'm talking to is the Jesus who was transfigured on that mountain, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to pray. I can also trust the promise of resurrection that he gives. Listen, right after this story, we're going to look at it next week, Jesus will once again tell his disciples that he will suffer and die and rise again. He will rise again. Now, when Mark says that Jesus took the boy by the hand and lifted him up, the boy arose, that's the word for resurrection. That's the word that a few verses later Mark is going to use for Jesus rising again. Now, we don't know if the boy really died. Everybody thought he had died. Jesus never says whether he has died. He just grabbed his hand and the boy resurrected. Don't know whether he was dead or not. But I wonder if this, what happened with this boy is sort of a microcosm of what happens with these impossible situations that God, um, that we bring to God Because when the man said, I believe, help my unbelief, Jesus then turned to cast the demon out. But things got worse before they got better. The the demon convulsed the boy, threw him on the ground, did one last shot at this kid. And then he was dead. Or at least everybody, that's how bad it was. but he arose. So I wonder, I wonder if maybe that, that all happened very quickly, but I wonder if you kind of stretch that out, if that's what maybe how God sees the impossible thing that I'm dealing with and that you're dealing with. We can go to him and say, I believe, I trust you. I know that all things are possible for you, Jesus, and I, I believe that. Help my unbelief. So here it is, here's that impossible thing, and then it gets worse. And then it gets worse and worse until it's like, it's done, it's dead, I'm dead, this is done. There's no way this is going to have a resurrection. And Jesus says, I'm the resurrection, I'm the life, wait, wait. Because whatever this is, 
whatever this impossible thing is, there will be some sort of resurrection, either in you or for you. Wait. If the life of Jesus is suffering and and then glory, so the life of those who follow him will be suffering then glory. But the point is, there will be glory. That was the point of the whole thing on the mountain that happened last week. There will be glory. And the last reason that I can trust Jesus and pray to him is because of his, very, his own prayer. Mark will show us in chapter 14, Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before his crucifixion. And listen to what Jesus prayed to his father. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. All things are possible for you. That's the thing he just told the man. If you believe, all things are possible for those who believe. And so Jesus is praying that back to the Father. All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Remove this impossible situation from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus rested his I can't in his Father's I can. Jesus rested his This is impossible for me. In his father's, all things are possible. You can pray to Jesus and talk to him about those impossible things because you and he both have a father who understands. Jesus and you have a father who understands because the father has a son who was tortured by demons, left for dead, and rose again. When Christine was pregnant with our twins, it was our first time to prepare for labor and delivery. We were excited to learn what we needed to know to get those babies delivered, and so we expectantly attended our first Lamaze class. What should a woman expect when she's expecting? She should expect labor and delivery, delivery to require every ounce of power she can muster. She should be prepared for pain like no other pain she's ever known. She's not here today, but uh, Christine's my hero because she took no epidural, no pain meds, and delivered twins. No C-section. Pain. And this woman and the father of the children should expect to be more than a little anxious about the whole process and perhaps have a panic attack or two. And how did they prepare us for this power-sapping, pain, and panic-inducing event? They taught us how to breathe. They taught us how to breathe. So be encouraged. Jesus may very well allow this kinds to enter into your life. They will render you powerless. They will cause you pain. And they will grip your heart with panic. But Jesus endured the powerlessness, pain, and panic of the cross for you. And Jesus conquered not just demons, but death and hell itself when he came out of that tomb for you. Like a mother in labor, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising its shame, and he is now seated at the right hand of God, praying for you. And how did Jesus do this? He breathed. He prayed, Abba, Father, 
all things are possible for you. He rested his I can't in his father's I can. And this same Jesus who allows this kinds into your life because he knows, he knows that on the other side of your powerlessness and your pain and your panic is joy. On the other side of your taking up your cross is resurrection. On the other side of your suffering is glory. So breathe, friends. Trust him and breathe. You can trust his heart. Jesus is speaking to you and me through his word right now saying, that thing that makes you want to hold your breath, bring it to me. That part of you that still doesn't believe, bring it to me. Come here, little one. Listen to me. Rest your I can't in my I can't. Because I can. Father, would you help us? Um, help us to trust the heart of this Jesus who says, bring it to me. And thank you for this table, which is the greatest proof and picture of that heart. And so we come this morning as people who can't to a God who can And he may not do it in our time or in our way, but there will be resurrection. There will be glory on the other side of the suffering. We believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.